But first, the clock is ticking for Mayor Brandon Johnson to either choose Chicago's next top cop or go back to the drawing board. The Community Commission for Public Safety and Accountability gave three finalist names to Johnson back in mid-July, and he has until Friday to make his selection. Now, the mayor met with reporters last week to talk about his potential pick, his administration's migrant strategy, and the teen takeovers. Now, here to give us the details is WBEZ city government and politics reporter Tessa Weinberg. Hey, Tessa. Hey, thanks for having me. Good to see you. So I I mentioned this jam-packed press conference. Sounds like there was a lot to discuss here. Where did you want to start? Yeah, I mean, it was the last uh, press conference I believe he's had since his last full city council meeting in July. City council doesn't meet in August, so it's been a little bit quieter, but there's a lot to talk about from, you know, summer events like Lollapalooza and NASCAR to the, you know, ongoing, you know, influx of new arrivals to the city to especially his CPD superintendent pick. Yeah, one of the biggest decisions that Johnson is going to have to make is who's going to take over as the top cop in this city. So remind us... Start with who the finalists are so Mm -hmm. that we remember. Yeah, so there was a a nationwide search, and then the Community Commission for Public Safety and Accountability nominated three finalists last month. Um, That's Sean Barnes, the Madison, Wisconsin chief of police. Um, He's also worked in North Carolina and was actually previously director of training and professional development for the Civilian Office of Police Accountability, or COPA, in Chicago. So he has some ties there. Okay. Um, And then we have Angel Navales, who's CPD's chief of constitutional policing and reform. He served in CPD for you know over two decades, and in his role, he's really leading the efforts to bring the department in compliance with the consent decree. Um, and then there's CPD Chief of Counterterrorism, Larry Snelling. He's also a veteran of the department, has served for decades, um, and is um, you know also I'd say a, a longtime you know person within the ranks. And mm-hmm. there's been a lot of um, I think expression of wanting to choose someone who's a veteran of the department. And these three can- uh, candidates and finalists were chosen out of you know 54 applicants nationwide search that the commission embarked on. Has Johnson been getting some pressure to pick Snelling? Um, you know, I think we've seen some um, some folks say that's who, you know, they'd like to see. I think there's Johnson himself has pointed to wanting to, you know, maybe pick someone from within CPD's ranks, mm-hmm. um, especially to, you know, boost rank and file officers morale. Someone who knows Chicago knows the issues that the city is facing. But, um, you know, he is, you know, going to talk with all the candidates, review them all. Um, the, the commission as well has, you know, tried not to, you know, weigh on who they think would be best and that they they think these could all be potential, you know, transformative leaders for the city. And and the FOP, have they endorsed anyone? They have not. Um, you know, the FOP and just, you know, cops were interviewed as part of the search. And I think there has been desire to see someone from, you know, the department's ranks, but they have not come out in endorsement or, or support of a particular candidate. Interesting. So what's Johnson saying now? about this looming deadline. Yeah, so he, you know, per the ordinance, once he was delivered those names, has 30 days to review them and make a decision, um, like you said, this coming week. Um, he, last week, told reporters he knows there's a timeline and that's coming up, but that he's going to work well within that and within that scope. But he also stressed of, yeah, this is a big decision and he doesn't want to be rushed. Like he says, you know, past decisions in the city have um, and acknowledge that this will be one of probably the most important hires he, you know, is making in his first, you know, months in office. And so last week he said those initial conversations were beginning. And so I'm sure he's, you know, in the throes of that this week. Yeah, I definitely imagine conversations are happening mm-hmm. right now behind the scenes. Uh, so if Johnson does decide to do the opposite and ask the commission for another review, what does that look like? How, how would that extend the search if he says, OK, it's not going to be one of these three? 
Yeah, I think that would be, you know, an unprecedented process we'll have to see. Um, so you can choose one of these three finalists or you can reject those options, launch another search. Um, you know, the the commission as part of this search, you know, held numerous public forums, um, got input from residents. So I think it'd be interesting to see if, you know, we're restarting all of that from the beginning or if they'll some of that, you know, they'll consider that kind of groundwork that's already been done. Um, but regardless, you know, Johnson's pick won't be the final step. They'll still be uh, need to be city council approval of whoever he picks Mm -hmm. um you know the city council could potentially reject his his pick and the candidate and per uh city ordinance then the mayor could either select a different candidate from the most recent list that the commission's provided him or he could request you know three new candidates so there's still some you know different routes that this could all go so many ways that this could go well you said a second ago i mean that would be unprecedented right him him asking the commission for another review Talk more about consequences if Johnson doesn't pick any of these finalists by Friday. Yeah, I think, you know, we would then still be relying on, you know, interim superintendent Fred Waller probably being in place for a little bit longer. Um, And we're still kind of, you know, I would say in the throes of summer. um, And I think there's um, it would just maybe kind of delay maybe implementation of maybe some of, you know, Johnson's. you know, violence prevention strategies. He does have his deputy mayor for community safety in place. But so I think, you know, maybe we'll just have to it'd take a little bit longer to get the ball rolling on, you know, him getting to work kind of, you know, full speed ahead with his superintendent in place and getting to get some of that going. Right. Well, you mentioned Fred Waller, right? And we've talked before on the show, Tessa, about that case against him. I mean, did Johnson budge at all on, on his support for the interim police superintendent? No, he did not. Um, you know, I asked him at last week's press conference about, you know, my colleague Dan Mialapas's, um, you know, reporting that um, Fred Waller had been the subject of domestic violence uh, allegations by his then wife back in the 1990s. And, you know, Johnson had characterized that as that investigation was, quote, settled and solved, um, which I do want to point out that according to Dan's reporting, um, it was deemed not sustained, which they, you know, the CPD's investigative arm said that means there wasn't enough evidence to prove or disprove those mm-hmm. allegations. Um, shortly after that press conference that day, Southside Weekly also reported on another um, instance of domestic violence allegations against Waller by a separate woman in 2006. The, that one was also, according to the reporting, um, not sustained. Okay. Um, and then late Friday, my colleague Mariah Wolfel, um, she reported on Chicago's task force on gender-based violence, you know, sending a letter to Mayor Johnson saying that they're deeply concerned by the allegations, urging for a meeting, which um, Johnson's administration will be meeting with them later. Yeah, that month. group, they criticized his overall response to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was something where, you know, Mayor Johnson, you know, I'd say really, de- you know, didn't get into the, the meat of those allegations when asked last week, but praised Waller, saying, you know, it was a big sacrifice for him to come out of retirement to lead the department. Um, in the interim, he praised how he's affected rank and files morale and said that that's a testament to Waller's um, value system. And so he was really standing by um, Superintendent Waller. It's been, what, three months or so? How would you characterize Johnson's relationships with CPD so far? Yeah, I think that's something, you know, when he has talked about it, he's really said they're they're restoring rank and file officers morale, really restoring trust. I think some of that you'd have to ask them if that's how they they feel. Um, we have seen some controversial practices like canceling, you know, officers days off to 
be able to help cover a big events like NASCAR is still occurring. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, that's still some of those things have still been going on. And a lot of it, I think, will be um, remain to be seen with who he's choosing with his next superintendent. I'm sure that will signal a lot to current officers about the direction he really wants to see the the police department go in. Yeah. And the, the FOP, it recently criticized Johnson for not attending the national night out uh, that previous mayors all attended. What was Johnson's reasoning for not being there? Yeah, he, you know, was um, kind of sharpened his critiques of that as saying that, you know, he every night is, you know, night out for him, essentially, that he's in the community every day, that he doesn't need to schedule a day or time to be there. It's more than just, you know, one night of the week. And so he kind of pushed back on that saying, you know, he lives in the community. He's part of the community. He's out in the community. There are other vacancies beyond just the, the CPD chief. Right. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. He has a wide swath of, you know, cabinet officials to, to still appoint. Um, you know, he has gotten some of his his new deputy mayor positions he's created in place, like for community safety. OK. Um, one for kind of neighborhood development, economics, one for refugee and, you know, immigrant rights. Um, so those those folks are in office. But we've seen um, some of Mayor Lightfoot's, you know, appointees and cabinet officials heading for the exits, um, like the housing commissioner. Which is typical. Right. Yeah. When, when hands change. I would say. Yeah, typical that we would see some turnover. Um, you know, Mayor Johnson had asked uh, cabinet officials to stay on for a little bit in this transition period. We've seen the housing commissioner, transportation commissioner, um, you know, say that they are leaving the administration. And so, yeah, we'll be curious to see who he is, you know, appointing to fill some of those some of those roles. Um, I think he has defended kind of the pace as one of a deliberate one that he is taking. I see. Because um, I, I remember when we got the announcement of that large Remember that one big announcement of of, of all these hires and yeah. uh, appointed you know committee heads and and such, and, and I thought they were going to sort of come at a nice regular pace mm-hmm. after that. But is it typical to take several months to to fill your cabinet we've as a mayor? I would say we've seen a little bit of a slower pace with some of the transition aspects um, compared to you know some of his immediate predecessors um, like Mayor Lightfoot and Mayor Emanuel. Um, even, for example, their transition report that they released, that came a little delayed compared to what we've seen from um, you know the his most recent predecessors. Um, but you know, I think he's he's really stressed of wanting to take a deliberative approach to have a lot of thought behind it and to have kind of a community, you know, a process that's kind of in conjunction with communities, how yeah. he's described a lot of how he's approaching his administration. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll start to maybe see some of those names roll out soon. And especially as we've got the budget coming up and right. there's a lot happening. So so many things on the table. In the minute I have left with you, I, I know Johnson's been making a, a push to look at holistic approaches to, to safety. What was his response to the quote unquote teen takeovers that we saw in the loop last week? Yeah, that he wasn't was, happy. Yeah, he, you know, had a lot of, you know, praise for for police and said they ex- exercised, you know, restraint, um, that they dealt with a level of sensitivity and patience. He said that was constitutional. That's a system of care. But more broadly, he really went back to, you know, it's not only on police that there needs to be more um, holistic, preventative approaches to giving young people, you know, opportunities to have fun, a safe space in their neighborhoods to be, you know, young people. Um, and that that is going to be in partnership with community orgs, helping, you know, find those spaces and connect yeah. folks with his deputy mayor of community safety um, to really redirect young people to have, you know, fun, safe spaces. Um, but yeah, he kind of bristled at at some of the questions on. Yeah, on he that. scolded media, gave them a slap on the wrist for, mm-hmm. for you know, calling teens bad names. All right, we'll leave it there. Tessa Weinberg is a city government and politics reporter for WBEZ. We'll see you soon. Yeah, thanks so much.